You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Wealth does not obstruct uh, the contemporary gospel message of getting to heaven. You can get to heaven in many contemporary gospel narratives and still be immensely wealthy. But in Jesus' gospel of wealth redistribution, it becomes immediately apparent how wealth would obstruct that. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 478. Our title this week is The Deceitfulness of Wealth, and our reading, our gospel lectionary reading is this weekend is from Matthew 13, 1 through 9, and then verses 18 through 23. It reads, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the seashore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So, um, the, the, the author of Matthew here has mostly taken this section um, from the Gospel of Mark. Mark. You can find it in Mark 4, 1 through 34. And for good reason. There's plenty here that uh, was important for the early Jesus community to remember. The parable of the sower here, it gives us a special glimpse into what even the gospel that in the stories Jesus himself preached, what, what that actually was. And what stands out to me is that of all the obstructions that the early Jesus community could have named um, to, to, to obstructions to following Jesus, all of the temptations that, that out of all of them that could have been mentioned and all the sins that this parable could have railed against, the one thing that's named is the deceitfulness of wealth. And so I ask why? How does wealth deceive and obstruct us 
from following Jesus? And why was it, it, it at, at, at the top of the list for the early Jesus community? Wealth does not obstruct uh, the contemporary gospel message of getting to heaven. You can get to heaven in many contemporary gospel narratives and still be immensely wealthy. But in Jesus's gospel of wealth redistribution and resource sharing from the haves to the have-nots, it becomes immediately apparent how wealth would obstruct that. The desire to build or hold on to wealth is directly intrinsically opposed to giving that wealth away to those negatively impacted in a system built to benefit a few at the expense of the many. And Jesus's gospel, remember, it was about creating a different way of being human together here now. It was not about a post-mortem destination. Jesus was casting the vision of a beautiful community of people dedicated to making sure that no one was pushed to the edges or undersides of their community. No one was made vulnerable, and every member of the community uh, was to be held uh, to a mutual commitment to share what they could to ensure that everyone in the community was cared for. And this was what the, the gospel authors called the empire or the kingdom of God. It was a community in which God reigned. In which, it was a community where people came first. So, so how does the deceitfulness of wealth obstruct this? Well, first... A community where God reigns, according to the gospel stories, is a community where people are of a greater priority than making a profit or wealth building. And this is why the gospels repeatedly state that in a community such as the one that Jesus describes, we have to choose between God and money. It's one or the other. In Matthew 6, 24, in this uh, gospel previously, it said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And this was also the practice of early believers in the book of Acts. In Acts 2, 44-45, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. In Acts 4, 32-35, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. There was no needy person among them, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So, so how is wealth deceitful? Well, hoarded wealth, it gives us a sense of security for sure, but this kind of security, it leaves us alone and isolated on our own, uh, each of us in our silos of hoarded resources. It makes us feel that we'll be able to take care of ourselves, um, uh, whatever might come in the future. But again, this whole, that, that uh, individualistic approach, it's, it's a whole way of living that is against the grain of reality. It deceives us into thinking we, we, we're, we're, we can survive on our own, when, when really, in reality, 
Um, and how we survive as a planet is that we survive together. Uh, as we discussed weeks ago, we're all connected. We're all part of one another. No one survives alone. And if there is such a thing as social salvation, no one is saved unless we all are saved. But again, wealth creates in us a kind of security that isolates us from our fellow members of the human family. Community, on the other hand, it's a way of finding security security uh, to weather potential future future hardships, um, but it's a way to weather those together. Even evolutionarily, species that have proven to be the fittest over time are species that, that don't go it alone. They, they practice care for the vulnerable members of their community rather than some taking care of themselves at the expense of others. And this, too, was a common theme in the early Jesus community. Consider the following words from 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. And, and what, is that? what does it mean in this context, this language of putting your hope in God? James Robinson, who I quoted weeks ago, author of... Uh, uh, books on the historical Jesus, uh, specifically the, the gospel that Jesus taught. Robinson gives us some insights on what it might have meant for believers in Timothy's context to put their hope in God. This is from his book, The Gospel of Jesus. The security, or hope, should be replaced by God reigning which means both what I trust God to do to activate you to share food with me is what I hear God telling me to do to share clothing with you. We should not carry money while bypassing the poor or wear a backpack with extra clothes and food while ignoring the cold and hungry lying in the gutter. This is why the beggars, the hungry, the depressed are fortunate. That is, those in whom God rules, those who hearken to God, will care for them. The needy are called upon to trust that God's reigning is for them. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus' message was simple. He wanted to cut straight through to the point. Trust God to look out for you by providing people who care for you and listen to him when he calls on you to provide for them. So it's very simple. We begin letting go of what we've hoarded to take care of someone today, creating a kind of community where we have some security there, knowing that if something should happen to us in the future, we don't turn to our individualistic preparations. We turn to the community that we've invested in, knowing that there will be at that time someone who will take care of us. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it backs this up. It suggests how members of the early Jesus community actually practiced this. In 2 Corinthians 8.13, it says, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. So, so again, how can wealth be used today 
not to give us individual privatized security, but to, to build communities where our security is in each other and people. The Jesus story is offering us two options, two competing uh, uh, places in which to, to put our trust. We can either put our hope in hoarded money uh, that's hoarded against potential future hardships, or we can put our hope in a community, um, a community of people who are dedicated to, to making sure that their resources care for those in their community. It's, it's a way of collectively taking care of one another. And Jesus's way about facing the future together rather than alone, um, that, that's what his gospel is all about. It's about having each other's back. And this is the, some secular communities and, and governments and societies have, have tapped into this, where, where, where we take care of one another, um, even in the way that our systems are structured. Here in the United States, we're continuing to move uh, toward a society that leaves each person on their own, from Supreme Court rulings to local political supermajorities. We're, we're shaping a country right now in such a way that leaves people on their own to pull themselves up by bootstraps they don't even have. And those that our system makes most vulnerable, those are the ones that are being most harmed. And, and some societies and other countries, again, they're deeply committed to democracy and they, they also have strong social commitments to one another. They, they make sure that community members' needs are met. And we too can still practice the freedom of democracy while we move toward making sure everyone in our democracy has what they need to thrive. These are not mutually exclusive goals. In fact, making sure everyone in our democracy is on level ground is deeply democratic in itself. And this this call, it also harmonizes much more with the call of Jesus to work towards shaping a world where we're committed not to isolated self-sufficiency and facing survival challenges on our own, but where we practice things like the golden rule, loving our neighbor as ourselves and sharing with, with those who are in need. As the, the book of Acts says, each according to their ability and each according to their needs. Um, heart group application this week. Number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode with your heart group. And number two, how do you wish our society practiced uh, more socially responsible care. Share that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If you would like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries work, you can do so by going to Renewed Heart Ministries com and clicking donate. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily post. Also, I've almost forgot, we're on threads now too, the new social media platform by Meta. So check us out there too. 
if you're on on threads already and and if you enjoy listening to this podcast please take a moment to like and subscribe and and leave a positive review there this helps others find this podcast as well and also i would just want to remind you that we are still partnering in a new weekly youtube youtube show called just talking each week pastor todd leonard and i will be talking about the upcoming gospel lectionary reading uh, for each weekend and we will be talking about each one of those readings uh, like we do here in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice. Our hope is that our conversation will be just as injustice, but that will also inspire you to do more than just talking. So if you teach from the lectionary each week, or if you're just looking for some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice, check it out. You might like it. You can find Just Talking each week on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Herb and Todd Just Talking. If you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us here at info at renewedheartministries.com. And lastly, again, my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels, is also available at renewedheartministries.com. Right where you are this week, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you.